Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, can Kristen and Taylor, Kristen and Taylor, can, can you guys stay up here just a second with me also? And Josh Stevens, if you can be making your way up here. Because when I heard that, that's a new song. And when I heard that, you know, last service, I thought, well, our worship night, <clears throat> for one thing, our worship night ought to be a worship night date night, right? Because it's a Friday night. And uh, so everybody, you know, ought to you bring your spouse or significant other, whatever you have, and ought to be a worship night, date night. And then, you know, hearing that particular song kind of needs to be a worship off, dance off. You think? Now, here's another one. So this is, this is an assignment. This is a, so, because I, I know, Kristen and, and Ta- I know you guys know this song. Maya he, Maya who, Maya ho, Maya ha ha. Here, help me. Help me out. Maya he, Maya who, Maya ho, Maya ha ha. Now, if you can put some worship lyrics to that one. I thought it was a children's song because I heard my grandkids like wanted you know want to do Maya who my and then yeah, another Abaya he and then you know Maya and then they'd all do Maya ha ha but it's like in a Scandinavian electropop group or something like that. It, so if you, that would fit right in if you could write some worship lyrics to it, it'd go right with that last song that we just sang. And Tyler. Tyler's our songwriter. Allison is our songwriter. Dance off. So at Mission Focus, we let you all know that there are a couple of three guys that we're licensing to the gospel ministry. So licensed to preach. Churches do that. And uh, Josh Stevens wasn't able to be with us at that moment. So I wanted to present this to him today. So this is his, this is your license to kill with the sword of the spirit. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't even know how many, I don't even know how many other guys, I don't even know how many other guys we've licensed. I, I, I guessed it's six, so I put 007 on that one. So go ahead and uh, bump elbows with your neighbor, and uh, let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for uh, what you've given us in this church, Lord, even today. And Lord, here we are, two years down the road, two years Almost two years, 22 months later, and uh, it's almost uh, moving through here in the same way maybe it did in New York City 22 months ago. Uh, uh, But, Father, we thank you because it's a variant that is so much less severe. Lord, we have so many people out today, and, Lord, most all of them doing well. I pray, continue to pray for April um, in the hospital. We thank you so much that the baby is okay and is, and is moving, and uh, Lord, we pray that you continue to protect her throughout the pregnancy. Uh, Father, we pray for those that are struggling with any health issues, and Lord, we ask that you'd be with us now. There's so many people for us to reach. Um, times are so serious, I think, not, not to make anybody fear, but more than we recognize. And so, Lord, we ought to be fearing you with uh, the faith that we have in your Son, and willing to get it to the lost. We pray you'd help us do that. Even what we see today in your word, we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. May be seated in the Lord's presence. And if you, if you have your Bible with you, be turning to uh, 1 Corinthians 12. That's kind of our base passage this morning. 
And, uh, you know, I will say this, uh, you know, about one of the other announcements that was made. Our most controversial thing as a church, much more controversial than masks or no masks or vax or no vax, uh, the most controversial thing as a church for us is what we believe about biblical authority in the Bible and the Word of God and the fact that we teach and preach from a King James Bible and the viewpoint we can give you on other translations. So I say all of that to alert you and to say, look, sometime today or this week, you need to go online, you need to register for the class that I will be teaching. That's called Manuscript Evidence, uh, kind of a history and heritage of the Bible. But really what it is is, you know, it talks about Okay, why do we use the King James Version, and what is the deal with all the other ones? And, uh, you know, I just read a blog post yesterday on this uh, evangelical site as kind of an aggregator of blogs from a number of other places, and they put them, uh, you know, they put them all up on this site, and, you know, each, I don't know, I probably two or three times a week I get an email that says, you know, you read this and this and this, and I read one, and the title was Seven Reasons Why the Bible is Not the inerrant word of God. And that is where evangelicaldom is at today. And that is unfortunately the only place you have to slide to if you pull up the goalposts of biblical authority from the word that God has given us. And so, uh, you know, we take, we'll just take eight weeks. It's only eight weeks. It'll start this Saturday, 945. I will be teaching from Midtown, but Lord willing, we'll have a viewing group here to live stream it. Uh, here at the church, we still got to get that worked out based on, you know, who we have here that wants to, wants to take that. It's just eight weeks. But we'll go through all the evidence. We'll show you the alternatives and, uh, and we'll talk about the issues so you have everything you need to know about that. Because, you know, unfortunately, it is it, the worse the uncertain situation that we live in with COVID. I don't know about you, but I think the further away the world feels. I mean, the worse things get, it's like, you know, things that used to matter to me don't matter anymore. And things I was out for, I don't know if I'm out for that. And I think that is somewhat behind why so many people have quit their job and they're looking for other stuff because they know what they were doing was not showing them any satisfaction. And, you know, know, they don't know. Their life may be short and they're looking for the significant thing to be involved in. So the further away the world feels from people, the material world, and yet I think the closer God and Christ's return seems. I think God feels a lot closer to people, given what we're going through with the pandemic, than if we had not experienced this. And that is our job to take advantage of. So this is so important right now. If you are a member, and uh, two weeks ago, December 26, we, um, you know, it was about Luke chapter 4, and it was about Jesus. But really, it was a critical vision update for our church for the year. So if you were not here the day after Christmas, please catch it on our YouTube channel. Check it out on our app, download it as a podcast, and uh, check that out. What we're going to look at today is both an irony and an importance, because the doctrine of the Holy Spirit we want to look at today is the uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the irony is, and this is our thesis for today's study, the irony 
is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit has been used by Satan to divide Christians when actually the ministry of the Holy Spirit is designed to draw Christians together. So that is the irony. And the importance is that you cannot even understand spiritual gifts and how you function and how you operate with them without understanding Holy Spirit baptism. I think that the most dangerous point in the life of any believer is when you finally toy with that idea and make that decision. You want to yield your life completely to Christ. And you want to be all in. And either you want to get baptized, you haven't been baptized, or you want to sign up for discipleship, you want to be discipled, you actually want to be discipled, you want to take somebody on to disciple them, you want to be mission central, you want to be mission focused because you want to give them mission control because this is our first point for study. All the devil has to do to obtain for his own purposes the remaining life of most believers is simply he has to counterfeit the work of the Holy Spirit. And if he can counterfeit the work of the Holy, that the Holy Spirit has in your life, then that's why so many never get discipled and they never get rooted and grounded in the faith, which is what will make the rest of their lives count for Christ in the mission. So Jesus saves them, but they end up being deceived by the devil and wasting their life by living outside the mission of the Great Commission. So when we talk about the baptism of the Spirit, much of the confusion comes from mixing that word, which describes a work of the Holy Spirit, with other words which describe other works of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there are three dominant confusions that arise today. Are you ready? Here's an experiential explanation of the three dominant confusions about spirit baptism. Number one, mixing the baptism of the spirit with the indwelling of the spirit. See, spirit baptism is indispensable. It is critical to your Christian experience because it marks the beginning of the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence in your life. But immersion... And indwelling are two different things. Immersing you, baptizing you, putting you in something, and something else being put in you, well, that's two different things. So, the indwelling of the Spirit refers to the Spirit's taking up permanent residence when you get saved. The word baptized described clothing that was dipped, it was submerged into dye. And that immersion was a transformative process because when you took that cloth out, it now had a whole new look permanently. So that is the word that God chose when he wanted to describe the ministry of the Spirit in translating us into God's kingdom, into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And and so now we have a new dynamic of life under a new king named Jesus. And a second confusion, this is number two, is caused by mixing the baptism of the Spirit with the filling of the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, the disciples were in the upper room. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. And what we discover is this. The filling of the Spirit refers to the Spirit's control and His enablement 
so that you can live a truly holy life, even in unholy flesh. And in the book of Acts, if you do not keep events in context, that will become a pretext for the devil to give you a con. So this is number three, a con like this, like mixing the baptism of the Spirit with the anointing of the Spirit. And so some people think baptism of the Spirit is what they call a second work of grace. Uh, That's not based on the Bible so much as it is on human experience or anecdotal testimony by people who say that they had a later, a deeper work after they prayed or after they tarried in a certain way. But anointing is not tied to tarrying or to praying. It is tied to serving and to ministry. So you will get a second and subsequent works of grace every time you step out to be all in in the mission. Because the anointing of the Holy Spirit refers to the Holy Spirit's endowment or empowerment so you can serve him in ministry with your life. Do something eternal. Indwelling, filling, and anointing, they're all related But we have to separate them so we do not confuse definitions. So let me hit you with the definition. The baptism by the Holy Spirit is the new environment into which the Spirit immerses you. When you come into a saving relationship with Jesus and it dyes you, it stains you, it stamps you with a spiritual brand. And it identifies you as part of God's family. We are placed in a new environment by means of the Spirit baptizing us into the body of Christ and a new relationship with Jesus. Watch, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look with me, verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. When you trust Jesus for eternal life and you're spiritually born again, then you are spiritually immersed into his one body. So this is our second point for study. Baptism means the Holy Spirit is applied to every Christian as Christ's seal of ownership. Now let me open a window on that word because every automobile has a VIN. It has a vehicle identification number. And every appliance you own, whether it's a computer, refrigerator, or a television set, has a serial number. And every product you buy at the grocery store has a batch number on it. And it is identified as having come from one company, originating in one lot, as a group with 411 others who all look the same. And so, baptism is God's mechanism for taking everyone who saved by Jesus... No matter what color, no matter what culture, no matter what gender or nationality, and making them part of the same unique body and batch of believers in any locality in that generation. And the distinguishing feature is how we are all immersed into something and thereby transferred into another system. When we come out, we look totally different. When you got baptized physically in water, you were dunked totally. I mean, if it was true baptism, it wasn't just rantism, which is sprinkling, it's not baptism. Uh, but if you were baptized, you were immersed into a separate environment. Now, if you had been left there in that picture of the grave, 
you would still be dead today. But you were not left. You were lifted in the likeness of Christ's resurrection. So indwelling is where the Spirit is at. Filling is what the Spirit controls. Anointing is what the Spirit empowers you to do. And baptism with the Spirit is the new position in which you gain a new identity, same cloth, new color, at salvation. So now that we've explained the reason for the confusion, let's focus on the baptism. Look with me at Matthew chapter 3, and I think we put this on your handout so you have it. Matthew chapter 3, John the Baptist, he tells us about the baptism with the Spirit. And in verse 11, John says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Okay, you are all born children of Abraham, and you could be under the misimpression that that is what makes you saved and part of God's kingdom. No, not anymore. Uh, You're not part of God's kingdom just because you are children of Abraham. But all of you who really say you're children of Abraham, you need to repent of where you've been. You need to come be what God can make you. And uh, so I'm baptizing you with water because by that you are saying you repent. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy, worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So John the baptizer, the forerunner of Jesus, says Jesus is coming after me and he's going to perform two types of baptism. One will be with the Holy Ghost for those who will get saved, those who repent, those who are converted. He'll baptize them with the Holy Ghost. But there will be another immersion in a lake of fire, for people who reject his sacrifice for their sins. And, you know, I don't think people are lost just because they reject Jesus. You were born lost. I mean, you're lost because you were born. I mean, that's the thing we miss. And today we have a tendency, we want to make everything, you know, all the problems of life, we make them a psychological issue because we don't want to admit that sin exists. We don't want to admit there's a sin issue. You're not lost because you reject Jesus. You're lost because you were born. And you were born in the likeness of Adam. Take it all the way back. You were born in the likeness of Adam. But if you refuse what Christ did for you, you'll simply just stay lost. So notice Christ is the one doing the baptizing. The Holy Ghost is the means or the agent by which baptism gets done, just like a pastor or a deacon is the agent by which water baptism is done. And this identifies you with a new environment called the body of Christ, which is the family of God. So it's a new family. What do you do when you adopt a child into your home, either through foster care or from an agency, from an orphanage? You give them your name. You do things to make them feel part of that which they are now accepted into as they enter your household. So you give them tokens of identification that mark them as one of your family members. It may be a health insurance card or whatever. But this is our third point for study. We enter the body of Christ as individuals. But we also enter a realm which affects all of our life. Because it makes us part of a family. 
So we're individuals, but we become part of a family. So the baptism is by Christ through the Holy Spirit into a new spiritual relationship with the entire family of God. And from God's side, the Holy Spirit is our seal identifying us with Christ's body. Now watch, look on your handout at Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians 1.13. In Christ ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. That is the realm. We got there by being immersed by the Holy Spirit the moment we got saved, the moment we chose to trust Jesus for eternal life. And that means we are all part of the same family. So this is the nature of spirit baptism. First, this is number one. Baptism by the Spirit into the body applies to every single Christian. As a matter of fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So if you have not had this baptism, then you are not a Christian. This is what identifies you, not any other ceremonies, sacraments, or rituals. And the reason that it could happen at all is because it happens to you spiritually. And the reason you did not know it happened until the Apostle Paul told you, so you were not aware, you did not feel anything, is because it is totally a gift of God's grace, just like your salvation. And if you could have physically felt it, You would have done something physically to get it, and God wasn't going to let that happen. So that is why it is a secret thing, it is a hidden thing, which happens to all believers instantaneously and equally. Now let me prove that statement to you. Back here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you will remember, Corinth was not the most spiritual church in town. As a matter of fact, it was a carnal church living in the flesh. I mean, they were soaked with immorality. Groups of Christians split up simply because of personalities, not not theologically. People were coming to the Lord's Supper drunk in 1 Corinthians 11. And yet, look at chapter 12, verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized. So there's no necessary correlation between being baptized by the Spirit and acting spiritual. Yoo-hoo! Maya, ha-ha! The church was not spiritual, but baptism is a free gift to God's grace. So this is number two. While Holy Spirit baptism does not directly seal your spiritual practice, it does seal your spiritual position. Remember, it is an identifying mark, the Spirit dying you as his seal. So I may adopt a child, and that child could still bring me shame, and I have a car with a VIN from a certain manufacturer, but it still may break down. But spirit baptism has to do with your spiritual position. Now, unfortunately, God has family members that he's ashamed of. My, uh, who? 
Well, these brothers and sisters are not functioning at the level of the environment of his home and the family they've been placed into. Now, let me open a window on that word. If you know anything about history, you may remember this story about Alexander the Great. There was a soldier in his army who was embarrassing him, and this soldier's name also happened to be Alexander. So Alexander the Great called this soldier in and he said, look, change your ways or change your name. If you want to be called what I am called, you've got to act like I act. And if you do not act like me, then you cannot use my name. So baptism has to do with the family name that you get. Filling has to do with the spiritual life that you exemplify as part of that family. You now live not just in the spirit's realm, but under the spirit's control in the world's realm. So, look at Galatians 3, verse 27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. If you will get saved today, you are immersed into a new environment called Christ. But how spiritual were these spiritually baptized Galatians? We'll look at chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. That is the gospel. But you have left it for another gospel. Something that somebody else says is the good news, but it's not God's gospel. You are, all, you are already ready to retreat from grace. Galatians 4.9 says the same thing in another way because they were turning back to the world. They were enslaved to their old habits all over again and yet they had been spirit baptized. That means the spirit left his identifying mark, not a tattoo, but die. So you are sealed so that no matter how dirty you get, Jesus still knows who he died and he knows who he died for, and he knows who has trusted him for eternal life. So this is our fourth point for study. When you get baptized by the Spirit, you get all the resources, but you don't get guaranteed results. There's God's part, and there's your part, and God's part. Here, I'll give you all the resources of my manifold grace in Christ. Your part Okay, the results are kind of on you. And if you ride dirty, you shame your Redeemer's name. So you are a student disciple, and you are on campus. But whether you consult the resources of the library is now up to you. Other ministries of the Spirit enable you to pull off the spiritual life and to apply by practice what you find in the library of God's word. His indwelling, make sure you can understand all the information you find in the library of his holy Bible. His filling enables you to apply in life what you've studied in his word. His anointing gives you power to function to the level of your body sacrifice and your spiritual gifts in ministry. But, and this is number three, there is only one baptism by the Spirit. One batch from one company for all the individual items. Look at Ephesians 4, verses 4 and 5. 
There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So you don't get a piece of baptism, Holy Spirit baptism at one church, Baptist church, and then a second helping at the Bapticostal church. And uh, God does not baptize you spiritually by installments. And so you don't get a down payment baptism if you have some experience or do some particular thing and then uh, pay a layaway baptism monthly. Uh, You get all the Holy Ghost you are ever going to get when God put you in Christ because there is one spirit and one baptism. So this is our fifth point for study. The question of the Christian life is not how much of the Spirit you have if you're saved and born again. It is how much does the Holy Spirit have of you. My uh, ha-ha. People say, oh, if I could only get more of the Holy Ghost. And God's sitting up there saying, oh, if my Spirit could only get hold of more of you." you. You have all the Spirit you will ever need to be all that God wants you to be. And to do for him in this life all he wants you to do for him for eternity's sake. And now that leads us into another discussion, which is likewise controversial, on the results of spirit baptism. Because if Satan wants to attack your spiritual life, he's going to attack your doctrine of the Holy Spirit. That's why we're in this study right now, so that we can shore up and reinforce the biblical understanding of who the Holy Spirit is to us. So what does the baptism do after it places me in Christ? Well, first, and this is letter A, baptism by the Spirit gives you new life. Turn to John chapter 3. I don't think we had enough space to put this on your handout, so just turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 3 where we find Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a model man, and uh, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was the top of the religious ladder, even of that group. Uh, Nicodemus was a Greek name for a Jewish man, so he had culture, and yet he comes to Jesus by night to compliment him on all the miracles, which they cannot deny. In verse 3, Jesus says, you know, I know that's not really why you came. You came to me because you have a spiritual void in your life. You've reached the top of your ladder and you've discovered it's against the wrong wall. So let me give you the bottom line and skip all the formalities. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, he's immediately thinking physical because he's still in the natural man. He's not born again, and yet Jesus is talking spiritual. So Nick at night does not understand. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, born physically, born the first time, and of the Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Well, because that which is born of the flesh, born of water, is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And this is a spiritual fact of your spiritual faith. Talking about your spiritual birth. 
So one thing that the Holy Spirit does is give us spiritual life. He not only gives us new life, but he manifests that life in us. I mean, good thing that it is not up to us. Maya he, Maya who, Maya ha ha. Okay, see, wait, I looked up the, I looked up the lyrics. Hello, salute, it's me, your Duke. And I made something that's real to show you how I feel. Hello, hello, it's me, Picasso. I paint my words of love with your name on every wall. When you leave, my colors fade to gray. Every word of love I used to say, now I paint it every day. Well, that's spirit baptism. And when you still sin... The reason you still have access to God, even though you sin, is because your color stayed the same as how he painted it in his love. You just covered it over. You just covered it up. Maya he, Maya who. See, wait. Picasso used paints. John chapter 7 says it's... It's God uses rivers of water which flow through your soul. So not only is the life of God in you, but that holy life is always operative now by the Holy Spirit. If you just let it flow through you, he sets up a river in your soul. My ha ha. See, that only stops flowing if you shut off the tap. So there's no such thing as the baptism and sealing of the Spirit in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, you could not be sealed. You could be filled with the Spirit. You could be controlled by Him. But He did not permanently indwell Old Testament saints like He does us. This is for our dispensation. The baptism of the Spirit is only related to the church, the body of Christ. You couldn't have a body of Christ until you had Christ. So then once Christ came and was glorified, which means he died, he rose again and ascended all the way back to heaven, well then you needed spirit baptism in order to establish all of us who are saved into his one body, equal believers in every spiritual respect. Only in Christ, this is the only place. Hey, hey, wait. This church, this time, right now. So let me give you a preview of next Sunday's uh, Martin Luther King Sunday sermon. Because this church, this place, right now, in Christ, that is the only place anybody is created equal. Because when you become a new creature in Christ, you are given as much, no less, no more than any other believer in any age of the church. Which leads us next, and this is letter B, as to how baptism in the Spirit brings you a new identity. Now, I think if you're a married woman, this maybe speaks to you. You can appreciate this a little more than some of us guys. Uh, Because when you got married, it was a picture of Christ and the church, his bride, the church. But uh, what that means spiritually is that we are all brides in this relationship with Jesus. So we men get in touch with our female side when we get saved. Because when you married, 
there was an identity change. You changed your name. You took his name. You became identified with him legally so that the state says you have joint ownership of property, even if he's the one who owned all that property before you got married or vice versa. And that means that new identity has massive effects on your life. You now have to be responsible for pleasing someone else. Another agenda is placed on the table because you are identifying as someone new in life. So Paul explains this baptism issue this way. If you look at Romans 6, the first three verses. Romans 6 verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So here's the doctrinal part of today's sermon. Number one, you're baptized into his death, Romans 6, 3. Therefore, you are crucified with Christ, Galatians 2, 20. Number two, you're baptized into his burial, Romans 6, 4. Therefore, you're completely dead to sin. You are baptized, number three, into his resurrection, Romans 6, 5. Therefore, you are entering a new existence. And number four, you're baptized into his resurrected life, Romans 6, 8. Therefore, you live with him in his body, with, his, with you being the temple of his Holy Spirit. So here's our sixth point for study. To be identified with Christ by spirit baptism is to be so positioned with Christ that you can become exactly like him. You can become Christ-like. <coughs> Before you were married to Christ, you were already married, but you were married to your old man. Your old man's name was Adam. You remember that? Goes all the way back. I don't know what your ancestry DNA says, but if it could trace you back to the first generation of everything, it would be Adam. He plunged you into sin. He separated you from God. He placed you under a curse. He made the devil your spiritual daddy. He placed you in a kingdom called darkness, and he prescribed for you in his will eternal separation from God. So if you're here today and you've never yet trusted Jesus for eternal life, you're still married to Adam, your old man. And you only have two choices, either to stay as you are or be born again because all humans are either in Adam or in Christ. God provided a mechanism by which you can cancel out your personhood in Adam and assume your true identity. I mean, look at how this works for you. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22. Here's how this works. For as in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. When I heard the gospel, the good news how Jesus satisfied the offended justice of a holy God and all his demands against me, and how my sin was now covered by the blood of the last Adam, Jesus, and how all I had to do was to transfer out of one family and be born into another by having a new birth, I decided I chose to identify with Christ. And God will transfer you 
out of Adam into Christ today with all that implies and all that means. You are entrusting your eternal destiny to Christ's finished work. You are no longer seeking to work your way to heaven. You're simply counting on the cross of Christ. Knowing that grace is the finished work of Christ, activated by God as you put your faith in it. So in the final analysis, this is letter C. Baptism in the Spirit gives you a new unity. And that is what 1 Corinthians 12 is really all about. There is only one family here. And the whole point of baptism is to create one new man in Christ out of a bunch of diverse individuals. Which is why Paul talks in Ephesians 4 about the unity of the Spirit. Because unity is a spiritual issue based on family relationship. Okay, okay, let me just give you a preview. Because we're going to be in Romans 14 next Sunday. And it's Sunday before Martin Luther King Day. And you can be Democrat or Republican. Okay, wait, wait. You can be socialist or libertarian. You can be Scandinavian or Somali. And none of that is more important than, nor does it affect the unity of the family in Jesus. That is according to the word of God. Now your mileage may vary, Maya. When you allow your life by sin and by pride and by the flesh to take control instead of the spirit take control, that's a whole nother matter. But our final point for study is this. We are bound together into a community of faith so that we can function as a family of God in a world that is hostile to Christ. You know, unsaved people are all hostile to each other based on party, party efficient, you know, based on politics, based on a lot of things, based on anything, whatever. They pick out things, socioeconomic stuff. They're always hostile to each other, but they are all hostile against us who are one family in Christ. And that's why we can't have racism or sexism or divisions in the church. Because this is a whole different family up in here. This is the eternal one, which means this is the only real one. And that is why physical baptism into a local church, that's why that is the confession that Christ requires of all those who get saved. Because water baptism is to salvation what a wedding ring is to your marriage. So do not lie on your baptism. Do, do by making by not making Christ's mission central. You get a new set of abilities when you're baptized by the Spirit. They're called spiritual gifts. That's what the rest of this chapter in 1 Corinthians 12, that's what the rest of the chapter is about. They empower you to serve Christ. They build up his body right here in this place by how you use them in ministry with us. So the failure to be baptized and become a functioning member of this local church means spiritual loss to you. It deprives you of some some of God's greatest blessings, and it prevents your full participation in the experience of the Holy Spirit. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Today you can walk out of here in Christ and with his Holy Spirit in you. 
the Holy Spirit will baptize you into Christ. And Christ will indwell your heart by faith. By your faith in him. By you trusting him. Because when you trust him, he gives you his spirit. Say, Alan, how do I do that? I want to trust him. What, what, do I, what do I need? You know what? All you have to do is pray. Just pray. and Just pray right now with heads bowed, eyes closed. Just pray and say, Jesus, I trust you today for eternal life. I repent because I want to be converted. My, my life is not working out. Doesn't matter how many jobs I quit, uh, how many new vocations I get, what, whatever else goes on. Uh, it's just not working. I want to be changed and I need to be changed from the inside out, not the outside in. So God, today I believe, make me born again in Jesus' name. I trust Jesus today for exactly what he promises, eternal life. And if you pray that today, will you come up here and meet me or one of our altar counselors here at the front, either while we're singing or after the song gets done, so I can give you a book that I've written that will show you the next steps in the Christian life. Go ahead and stand. Bump elbows with your neighbor. Let's get ready to pray. Next Sunday, we're going to be back in the book of Romans. We're going to see the true guiding light in Romans chapter 14. Tonight, we're going to discover Psalm 119 together. So, hope to see you back tonight. Bring your kids so they can be in Awana and, you know, be in here with us. This is life to you. This is eternal life to somebody else. I mean, you can invite them here. They'll hear, hear the gospel. And today, they could be saved. So... Don't let them miss out. Invite them to come. Bring them with you. Father, I thank you today for the, for the glory of Christ. I thank you that he came. He died. He was buried. That's proof. But boy, he rose from the grave and he ascended back to heaven. That was proof that he rose. How much, how much, what could be more glorious than that? And you, Lord, you call us into that very same thing to die to ourselves, to give up our own life, to take up the cross and to follow you so we can walk in newness of your life that you offer, that you provide when we trust you. You provide us with the only life that overwhelms all the death that surrounds us, the darkness psychologically, the despair, the lack of hope, Father, you give us a mission when we get saved. Lord, let us all completely, completely fulfill your will in that. And Lord, I'm thankful that we stand here so that we can do that together, edifying one another in the faith. Lord, be with us this week as we, as we go out from here with you. We ask it in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Amen. Praise team, sing us out.